Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. I um, went to my grandkids over the weekend, and when I go to my grandkids, my two-year-old always runs and hides, right? He likes me to go find him in the house somewhere. And it reminded me of when a game that we played when we were small, hide-and-seek. I guess they still play now. I don't know. But if you remember, the person that said had to hide their eyes and count to 50, and everybody had to run in the street and find some place to hide, either a car, a garbage pail, run into somebody's cellar. I was raised in Brooklyn, so this is where we did. This is what we did. But everybody had to run, and they counted to, to 50. And when he got to 47, 48, 49, 50, he said, ready or not, here we come. And some kids had stuck. They couldn't find a place to go, right? They couldn't find a place to hide, and they got caught. You know, they weren't ready. They weren't prepared. So tonight, let me ask you tonight, are you prepared for Jesus' coming? If Jesus came right now, would you say you're ready? Would you say you're prepared? Tonight we're going to be in Matthew 25. We're going to do the parables of the ten bridesmaids and the parable of the talents. Both of the parables relate to Jesus' coming, second coming. And three things I want you to think about as I go through the lesson. Being watchful, prayerfulness, and faithfulness. Those three things I want you to think about as we go through the parables. But to to get into the parable in Matthew 25, we have to back up a little bit and go into uh, Matthew 24. When Jesus was having his problems with the Pharisees, he was in the temple. Uh, It's part of the Olivet Discourse the Bible scholars talk about, that he had such a hard time with the, with the Pharisees. He cleaned the, the temple out from all the money changes, and he was leaving the temple, and disciples said, tried to distract him because they, they must have been full of anxiety with all the things that were going on. And the disciples said, look at this temple, how beautiful it is, the gold and the marble. And Jesus turned around and said to him, I surely say to you that not one stone will lay upon another in this temple. And the disciples didn't know what he was talking about. And as they went to the Mount of Olives, the disciples started asking them questions about, when will the end come? When, what should we be looking for? You know, what, when is it going to happen? And he talked about the tribulation and the desolation of the temple and Daniel's abomination, where the Antichrist will take over the temple and claim himself as being God. And he emphasized about rumors of wars and wars to be. But the most important thing that he really wanted to do is to ask you to be watchful. Watchful. Now, wait and watch, see what happens. Right? If you look at Matthew 24, 36, it says... But at that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Right? It's good that we don't know. 
Because what would happen if we did know? We might wait until he comes, if we knew what day it was, if we knew it was next weekend. We might say, well, I'll party this weekend because I know God's coming next weekend, Jesus is coming next weekend, so I'll wait and then I'll, I'll, I'll forgive my sins next weekend because I know he's coming, right? Or we might be just too lazy to work for him, right? We know he's coming, so we're not worried about it and we're just not lazy to do the work that's supposed to be done. But heaven is not our only goal. We have a duty to do work here. And that's what he talks about also, is that he wants us to be aware that we have to do the work that he wants us to do. That we have to be aware that we'll be persecuted for it. In Matthew 24, 45 to 51, it says, Who then is a faithful and wise servant? whom his master made ruler over the household, to give them food in the due season. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. For surely I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming, and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come, and on a day when he is not looking for her, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and will cut him into and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Knowing Christ is imminent and sudden and unexpected should motivate us to be prepared, right? Not to be lazy or take advantage of the time. There's a lot of churches that don't even teach this. But they only tell the half the truth. But that's why Calvary Church is so good, because you go through verse by verse to know the truth and not just half the truth. Right? The weeping and gnashing of teeth describes despair. But God's judgment is certain just as much as his return. And Jesus can't be more serious than this. There are going to be many Christians that you might think that you will see in the eternal kingdom that you won't see. So Jesus wants us to be watchful. He wants us to be prepared. He's not, we shouldn't be worried about when he's coming, but that we're ready every day for his coming. And the parable of the ten bridesmaids describes being watchful and ready and being waiting for him to come, and most of all, being ready. So we have a video that's going to show the, uh, the parable of the ten bridesmaids, in the first part, and the second part be a parable of the talents, which we'll go over in the second half. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. 
Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the parable uses a story of a Jewish wedding. Uh, those who don't know about Jewish wedding, it's a very traditional wedding dated back hundreds of years ago, and they still use it today, as a matter of fact. Uh, it's amazing to me that a nation that was scattered across the world all the years and then came back in 1948 still holds their tradition, right? Unlike us, where our tradition has fallen away 
and people are trying to change it or take it away from us in this country. It's just an amazing thing that the Jewish faith, the Israelites, kept that faith, kept that tradition to this day. And just to give you a brief description about a Jewish wedding, it's like two, a man and a woman has to be betrothed before they get married. It's like an engagement. And the betrothal is for about a year. And even for that year, they don't even talk to each other. And the groom says to his, to his wife-to-be, I go to prepare a place for you. Does this sound familiar? So he goes to his father's house where he builds a house for his, for his bride-to-be. And everything has to be perfect. And it's only when the father says, when he checks everything out and everything looks okay, the father says, that's great, go get your bride. And he sends his friend out, who we would think is the best man. And his friend goes out and says, the, bride is, uh, the groom is coming, the groom is coming. Be prepared, the groom is coming. Who does that sound like to you with respect to Jesus? John the Baptist, right? He prepared the way. He called out that the Messiah is coming and that now he must decrease and he must increase. So the bridesmaids have to all gather in the, uh, the bride's house and they all have their lamps lit and they have to be ready. The groom could come at any time. Most of the time the groom likes to come at night. and They need their lamps lit and they go out and they meet the groom and they go back to the house to celebrate. And the door gets shut and no one else is allowed in. So pick it up in chapter 25. Verse 1, it says, The kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who, who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise, and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took the oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. So who is the bridegroom? Jesus Christ. And the bride is, is the church. Right? The bridesmaids are believers. They're prepared and called to be believers are prepared to call to do God's work. But the oil is symbolic to the Holy Spirit. Five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. So if we look at John 3 with respect to the Holy Spirit, Jesus answered and said to him, this is where he speaks to Nicodemus, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What did Nicodemus know about the kingdom? He knew it would be ruled by God, and it would be restored on earth. But Jesus revealed to him, it will come to the whole world, and he need to be reborn again by the Spirit. Personal relationship, not ethnic or national, but a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus later taught that the God's kingdom is in all believers, and realize believers will realize that when He returns. Second Corinthians one twenty one says, "Now He who establishes us with you in Christ, and has anointed us in God, who also has sealed us." and given us the spirit of our hearts as a guarantee. Two things that we get 
as believers, a bond with the Master, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit that guarantees our salvation and that we will receive more in return, on his return. So it's a guarantee we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit is God's seal that, that we belong to him. The presence of the Holy Spirit proves that we are God's children, how it transforms us and keeps us. The Holy Spirit is essential to be reborn again. Going back to verse 5, it says, But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. All of them were waiting for, for the bridegroom to come, but they all fell asleep. It reminds me of when Jesus was in uh, the Garden of Gethsemane praying. He was pacing back and forth, and he started to pray, and he told his disciples to be watchful. And he walked over his disciples, and they were all sleeping. And he woke them up and he said, didn't I tell you to be watchful? Be watchful for what, what is to come? We can be sleeping a lot as Christians and not knowing what is to come and what is to do for Jesus Christ. And we get lackadaisical about what we can do. And we kind of forget that Jesus is, it can come. He can come any minute because we have so much to do in our lives all the time. We don't take into account that Jesus can be there any time, any day, any minute. Picking up verse 6. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all the virgins arose and trimmed the lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us, but you go rather go to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. We're all responsible for our own spiritual makeup. I can't give you the Holy Spirit. I can't give you faith. Just like the bridesmaid couldn't give them the oil. We are responsible for our own spiritual health. No one can do that but us. We have to have faith in Jesus Christ on our own. It has to be in our hearts. One thing about the Bible is that a lot of times we wake up in the morning and we look in the mirror and we see a reflection of ourselves. But sometimes the Bible is a reflection of our heart. The Bible can see into our heart as we read it, truly what we feel about ourselves. Right? Just like a reflection in the mirror, the Bible reflects our soul and our heart and what we truly believe. Afterward, the virgins, uh, beginning at verse 11, afterward, other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. So why didn't they let the bridesmaids in? Because they weren't prepared and they weren't ready. And the groom came silently and swiftly, and the door was shut on those who didn't have their hope, the spirit full, full of the spirit. 
and shut the doors on the bridesmaid who didn't have their oil. So what, what can we learn of this? What is, what is being ready and being watchful with? Right? Being watchful and being ready. Losing sight of Christ. Right? In Matthew 24, 40, 42, it says, Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what your hour your Lord is coming. If the Lord came today, would you be left in the pew? Or would the person you'd be sitting next to be left in the pew? Being watchful and being ready for the Lord to come is essential. Two, being pray, pray for those. Luke 21, 36 says, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So what is he saying? Watch therefore and pray. Pray that you can have sustain the persecution that might come upon you at that time if you're left behind. Sustain and pray that you can stand waiting for the Lord to come. And the third thing that I talked about was faithfulness. What is given to us. And this is where we go into uh, the second parable. The parable of talents. And it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one. To each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them, and made another five talents. And likewise he had received two, gained, he received two, gained two more also. But he also received one, when he, but, he, but he who had received one went and dug it in the ground, and his lords, and he hid his lord's money. After a, lord, a long time, the lord of, the, of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So a talent back then is, is, was worth a lot of money. Now, I don't know exactly how much, but it's worth a lot of money. But change the word, when you hear the word talent, think about your abilities, what your abilities are. Right? One person had five talents, but had, probably had a lot of abilities to serve the Lord. Another person only had two talents, two abilities to serve the Lord. Both of them, the Lord gave that to them to do what they want with them because they, they know that they were able to do it at their own ability, their own power. They knew it wasn't too much for them to do. But because one had five and the other had two, both of them, both of them was, uh, deserved deserved to be with the Lord because they they were grateful for what they had. So he, uh, verse 20 says, so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me to five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the world. 
he also, who received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter unto the joy of the world. See, it didn't matter how many talents the person had. God's reward was equal to them. Either you have one or you have many. It doesn't matter. It's what you do with it. It's what you, what you produce with it. See, a lot of people say, well, well I don't have any talents. What am, I, what am I supposed to do? You know, well, you have, God gave us all gifts. It could be just talking to somebody or praying with somebody or being with somebody that was sick. You know, it doesn't have to be preaching. It doesn't have to be uh, being a pastor. Whatever your talent is, God wants you to use it and not put it on the, on the sideline. A lot of people make excuses that they don't have anything, any kind of talent to, to, to serve the Lord. Or they make excuses why they don't want to serve the Lord. It's a thing called commitment. You know, we're committed to serve the Lord. The Lord wants us to serve him. We have work to do. We, the church, are supposed to be the salt and the light of the earth. And when he comes, we would be taken away. And we would be judged for what we did and what we've been doing. So then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered him and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. So here's a servant that doesn't like his master for some reason, which is absurd. Because he hasn't indicated any, any kind of meanness or temperament towards anyone, but he was very generous. But he just was afraid to, you, to do what he had to do with his talent. You know, A lot of people who serve the Lord are afraid to serve him fully. Why? Because they're afraid. Maybe because of what people say or what people do. But, you know, maybe they just don't like being out of the box. Well, Jesus doesn't want, to be, want us to be in the box. Sometimes we have to be out of the box if we want to serve him. You know, we can't hide our talents. You know, we can't bury them in the ground because that's, our, what, that's not what we're called for. But this servant buried it in the ground. And he didn't even try to, to, to make another talent out of the one talent that he had. And a lot of times we don't even try to serve the Lord with the one thing that we might have. We're too busy, or we're looking to do something else, or we get involved in other things to serve our own self-interest instead of serving the Lord. You know, and there will be a price to pay for that, and, we're going to be, and there will be a judgment for that also. And you talk about that in verse 29. For to everyone who has more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness 
and we'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. If there's one scripture that I really want you to listen to, if I could, and I'll try to do my best reading it, is 1 Corinthians 3, 11 to 16. Very important to understand, I think. And kind of a little scary, too. Okay. So that's 1 Corinthians 3, 11 to 16. For no other foundation can anyone lay than which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will be, for the day will declare it, meaning when Jesus comes back. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sport, of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but, the, but he himself will be saved. Yet so as through the fire. So there's no foundation except under Jesus. Your work will be judged by your motives and be tested. Are you building your life on the only real foundation or are you building a faulty foundation such as wealth, serenity, security, and success or fame? Uh, what, he's trying, what he's trying to say is that there are people of faith, right, that have no works. And if you don't build what you do, you work on the precious stones that, if, that Jesus talks about in his verse, is that they're going to be burnt away. If your motives are good and you're on a strong foundation, then you will receive a reward. But also, you can have faith and legitimate faith and have no works. And the Lord, who is encompassed in fire, will come down and burn those works up. And you will, will face a judgment. But you will still have your salvation. But those who have no faith and no works, they will be burned in the fire. So what are we, what are we doing? What are we here for? Are we faithful to Jesus? Are we being faithful to him? Are we being watchful? Are we watching for his coming? Or are we sitting on a, in front of our TV set looking at sports and not worrying about when Jesus comes again? Are we being prayerful? Right? Are we praying to give us strength for when he comes that we can endure the persecution that might come across with us? Are we, are we being faithful? Are we doing the work? Are we sacrificing ourselves? Or are we doing things for our own motives? Those are the questions that we have to ask each other. And those are the things that we're going to answer when Jesus comes back. So both parables, parables tells us that God will hold us accountable for what we have done and for what we failed to do. That, of, that of course, seems incompatible with the emphasis on grace that we find every, everywhere else in the New Testament. However, both judgment and grace are part of God's plan. Yes, God will forgive us for our sins, but yes, he will hold us accountable. So are you, <clears throat> but yes, he will hold us accountable. So are you the wise, 
So are you the wise or the foolish? Are you the faithful or are you the or you the stupid? The choice is yours. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10:30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.